Bonjour. <laughs> I don't know why I started off like that today. Hi, hello, everyone, beautiful people listening to this. My name is Sydney Robolata. I am the co-founder of Body I Love You, which, as you know by now, is the course and the community that literally teaches you how to love yourself. I come at you today with a topic that um, is quite personal for me and it's thing that I feel like I don't speak to much because of this fear that I'm like not qualified to talk about it but um it kind of reminds me of conversations about mental health that I have am I a mental health professional and that I have like therapy training and all this stuff you know no but do I struggle with my mental health um to a point where I feel called and inspired to speak to it absolutely so we're not uh, you know i guess this conversation is about mental health for sure but on the surface we are going to be talking about binge eating um and your body and your brain and like what is you know what happens when we binge eat this conversation was inspired by we have a group of body i love you going on right now and um god i love these women and their hearts and their brains and just their vulnerability and willingness to bring stuff and we had a really powerful conversation this week about binge eating and just kind of normalizing so much of it because I don't know about you, but this is something that for the longest time I suffered with uh, in silence. And every time I kind of have this conversation, I notice that it's it's such a relatable thing and it's something that we truly don't talk about enough because it's just a conversation that's riddled in shame. So we are going to approach this conversation from several different angles. First of all, what I mean when I say binge eating, and um, I even have kind of mixed uh, views on, you know, even that concept for myself now. I've owned this before, but I used to identify as a compulsive overeater. I no longer identify as that anymore. I don't feel like I overeat as a compulsion. If ever I do make the choice to overeat because I'm having fun eating or I'm eating for emotional support or whatever, it's just that. It's a choice. It's a choice that I'm consciously making. And I'm obviously, um, obvious, I'm also <laughs> making the conscious choice to um, prevent myself from overeating as well if, if that's what I feel called to in that day. So it's, it's interesting and God, you guys, I just remember back in the days when I feel like I would binge eat pretty frequently, certainly on a weekly basis. I remember hopping on social media and hearing like body positive influencers saying like, I haven't had a binge in years. And I used to roll my eyes to the back of my head until I literally saw the, f the form of my brain because I thought that that was so insane. And I thought that they were fucking lying to me. And I just didn't believe them. And I was like, shut up. You don't struggle in the way that I do. Just shut up. Like, I just, I don't believe that this is never not going to be a thing for me. Yet here I sit in front of you today, uh, also declaring that I, I haven't had a binge um, in s such a long time. I literally don't remember the last time. Which is not to say that I haven't overeaten. And when I say over eating i'm not referring to like this concept that there's this exact portion that all humans are supposed to eat in a day i mean eating past the point of satiation and into the point of um i'm now in pain um and i wouldn't say i i i certainly don't reach any 
type of pain levels these days that I used to. I literally used to overeat to the point that I um, would have to remain horizontal for, for like a while. Standing would be really uncomfortable. My body, my entire body would just feel so uncomfortable, especially my stomach. And um, it's something that, you know, I thought that I wasn't allowed to wear certain clothes because of it. I, I like wouldn't, you know, go outside and like do things socially because of it because I would just feel so full. I've eaten myself into pain like that at like parties before. I remember a couple of times actually I was at, uh, we would do like parties like in the day and then we would go out to like bars and stuff after. And there have been a couple of times that I haven't been able to like join people for the second for the second half of the activity, which is going out because I'm like, oh guys, I, I fucked it. I, I, I ate too much. I literally, one time I was in Vegas and I was with um, some friends and we went to like an all you can eat, <laughs> like, a, like a buffet um, in Vegas. And I got all dolled up, literally remember what I was wearing, such a cute outfit. And we go to this buffet and I ate a bunch of things, but the thing I was particularly gluttonous with was they had clam chowder. They had like a bunch of clam chowder and I fucking love clam chowder. And I ate so much clam chowder that when it came to like going out after dinner, I was like, you guys, I, I botched it. I'm so, so, I have to go back to the room. I like can't do it. And I literally didn't go out that night. So I'm talking about shit like that, where, where you eat to the point that it's, it's actively disempowering. Um, for you or it you know just kind of limits your ability to to live your life as the human that that you want to be so when we talk about binge eating like i said i, I want to be very specific with what i'm referring to it's it's eating past the point of satiation and uh, more often than not for me like i said it it comes to this place that it it becomes disempowering painful um, not just for the body but obviously the shame spiral follows after that too as well of course Excuse me. My dog is sniffing my 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 witchcraft altar. Don't want her getting into into any any crazy stuff. So the first thing that I want to talk about is why we binge eat. Um, like what what how why do we do it? What's going on in our brains? What's going on in our lives? This is not a blanket statement for everyone, but what I've learned is that a majority of binges occur in the evening. So usually it's um, it's after a long day or a long week where this thing that we refer to as our willpower is like exhausted. We, we've experienced emotions throughout the day. We predictably have made roughly thousands of decisions, even like micro decisions that day. Um, even just little, little, little things get on you. I think of like, you guys, I was just having this conversation in one of my groups that I coach. But you think of like all the micro things that happen in a day that are like frustrating or even dissatisfying, even as small as like, I had, I, in my vanity, I had this drawer that I overstuffed so much and it would never like close fully. And every time I would go to close this drawer and it wouldn't close fully, I would, I would, f nothing major. It wasn't like, it wasn't even something that was super conscious to me. But it was just always something that annoyed me just a little bit. And I truly didn't realize how much it impacted me or annoyed me until I cleaned that shit out. And now I get to close it. And every time I close it, it feels so satisfying. It's crazy. The, shame, the same shit happened when my last car, um, 
this is insane. You guys are going to think I'm insane. My last car started to do this thing that if, if I were driving particularly slow, like under 10 miles an hour, so sometimes it would happen in traffic. Sometimes it would happen in like drive-thrus or in like parking lots or something. It wasn't all the time, but sometimes my engine would just turn off and my, my steering wheel would lock up. Both of those things would happen at the same time. And I, I, I'm an, I'm an adaptive human to a fault. Like I was just in my brain that like this was going to cost so much money and I just didn't have the money to, to cover it at that time. So I just didn't go (laughs) to take my car in and, um, yeah, but driving just inherently, it got to the point that anytime I would have to go somewhere, I felt this kind of underlying sense of anxiety, knowing that I was going to have to get in that car and, and drive under those circumstances. Like I said, it didn't happen often, but it happened every once in a while. And every once in a while is enough to make every single time you drive um, anxiety inducing. And it, I didn't realize how much that impacted me until I got a new car where that wasn't the problem. And I noticed like, I, I would sit in my car and have this kind of underlying anxiety. And then I would realize like, oh, I don't have to worry about that anymore. And I realized like, whoa, I was, I was really worried about that all the time. I bring those two examples just to show little micro things that weigh on us throughout the day. How our boss says good morning, um, the, the traffic driving home from work. Um, you know, if, if your kid is in a phase that they're like being a dick, low key and you're just like annoyed by that whatever it is there's so there are thousands upon thousands of micro things every single day that just kind of weigh on us and that's not even tackling when big things happen um you know i I don't need to even list examples of big things that can happen to somebody in in somebody's life that could invoke them feeling emotional and in need of some form of coping or calming mechanism which is exactly why we do it um we uh, here's the thing food makes us feel better it it does something to our brains foods that we enjoy lights up like fireworks in our brains and and to an extent does make us feel better i don't i don't co-sign this this concept anymore but um it was something that a client said to me a long time ago she said food is the good girl's drug of choice And I just, when I heard that, I just, I was still in my kind of disempowering eating habits. And I just literally was like, oh my God. Yeah, it's, it's, you, you you go to that, you go to food to help cope for the same reason that people go to alcohol or people use, um, you know, drugs or, or whatever any other thing is. It's, uh, it's, it's truly something that we use to feel better which I even want to de-shame that concept. The, the world we live in is crazy and frustrating. And of course, there's so many beautiful things about this world and so many things to be grateful for. But especially these days in the, in the age of the internet, when we are just being sent article after article or you know, Instagram post after Instagram post of just crazy shit that's happening in the world. We're receiving so much of it at uh, at such a, a, a quick frequency. And I, I truly don't believe that our brains were designed to receive this amount of devastating information this frequently in our lives. And I think it shows up with us being so desensitized to so much stuff that we read. Because we, we literally don't, we're like, uh, uh, that's fucking terrible. And I have rent due. So like I actually don't have the bandwidth to care about this right now because I'm too busy living my life and dealing with my own stuff, right? 
That's such a normal human experience. So I, you know, something I hear all the time is like, create a life that you're not trying to escape from or like self-soothe from. And the fact of the matter is, is that if you're a human being paying attention, shit is hard. You're, you are going to crave coping mechanisms in some way, shape, or form. It's just how humans are wired. So I want to de-shame that. Like if you're in a situation that you notice that you are uh, craving something pretty consistently to take the edge off or feel better, you know, we can obviously have a conversation about what that looks like for you and how empowering and or disempowering that is for you. But even just the, even just the need in and of itself is so normal and natural and common and you are not a freak and you are not broken and you're so fucking normal other reasons why we might overeat or binge are um let's say you grew up in a household where you were told that you weren't allowed to eat certain foods so we really take like our childhood selves with us when it comes to that um i know and my 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 mom did such a good job in trying to take lessons that she've, she's learned throughout her life and, and do better when it came to raising me. She did such a good job of that so many times, but sometimes it was protecting me from shame that now I realize it was something that didn't even necessarily need to be shamed. She was just shamed for these things growing up. So I remember all the time that, you know, we would be in a grocery store, not all the time, but enough. We'd be in a grocery store and I would want to like get something or we would like get chips or something. And I remember my mom would say like, okay, well don't, you know, sit on the couch and eat this whole bag of chips. And she would tell stories of like, gosh, I remember when I was younger, I would, I would sit down and I would just eat this entire bag of chips and that's just not good for you and all this stuff. So, you know, I'm already kind of putting this thing in my brain that like, okay, I'm, I'm not allowed to eat certain things or I'm not allowed to eat as much or there's like this expected portion that I am allowed to eat and whether or not she was right you know what I mean it's training me in my brain that um I I'm not focusing on self-trust I'm focusing on what I am and am not allowed to do which is just a different perspective so for so many of us we grew up in households where maybe we weren't allowed Um, or it was, you know, we were discouraged from eating certain things. So now that we're adults living in our own homes, responsible for our own grocery shopping, we kind of have this sense of rebellion of like, oh my God, I'm allowed to eat this shit now. And then because it was this thing that we were trained to have shame around, we usually hide it. Um, and that can look like a couple of things. So it can look like eating really fast, um, so that, you know, you, you don't have the kind of like mental time to create awareness around what it is that you're doing. Um, sometimes we want to eat fast so that we can like get rid of the evidence quicker. Um, I know that I used to hide like any sort of like to-go boxes or wrappers or anything. I would like wrap them up in paper towels and like shove them down to the bottom of the trash can so that nobody saw what I ate. So I would inherently feel the need to like eat quickly so that I could you know, get rid of the evidence so so nobody nobody would know. And um, when it comes to this this idea of us not being allowed to eat things, kind of reminds me of just the simple example. Like if I say don't think of an elephant, 
the, the first thing you're going to think of is an elephant. When we're, when we're focusing on what we can't or aren't allowed to do, that inherently becomes the thing that we are curious about and that we are craving because we weren't allowed that kind of like expression or experimentation um, naturally and intuitively at a younger age. So that's such a common reason why people tend to overeat as well. I also noticed for me, there was almost this like, it was, it was an extremely frantic energy. So some of my stuff happened at like convenience stores or sometimes drive throughs I would, I would make the decision very quickly of like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to go get fucked up in this, in this Jack in the box drive through or whatever. And there was this very frantic energy of like quick, do it now before I change my mind. And then because I was in this like fuck it mentality, I would, I would go off. I would, I would go hard. I, I would order a, a large meal with a couple of sides and you know, whatever. And this is not at all to shame people. If, if that's your order for me and for my body, that was too much food. And it, and it, and it would put me in a state of extreme discomfort. So I was, I was like buying it or ordering it and eating it very quickly. Like I said, before I had a moment to like stop and change my mind and like actually think about what I was doing. Because when you make the initial decision, the decision is something that is going to self-soothe or make you feel better. But notice how it pretty quickly becomes something that actually makes you feel worse mentally and physically when you're overdoing it, right? So food makes us feel better until it doesn't. And I think it's a super valuable conversation to get clear around where that line is. Where does that line lie for you? And nobody can tell you this information. Nobody can tell you like, yep, when you've consumed this amount of calories, you are satiated and good to go. Nobody knows how certain foods make you feel, how certain amounts of foods make you feel. That is something that only you know. So the thing about this, about what feels good and where is that line that crosses over into when it feels bad, is that you can really only pinpoint this if you're paying attention. And again, when we're binge eating, we're often in the kind of this like frantic rushed state of kind of subconsciously choosing to not think about it. Because when you think about it, there's kind of an underlying assumption that's like, oh, this is bad. I shouldn't be doing this. And then you're going to, I've done this before too, where I've like taken food and like thrown it away. And then you like pour water on top of it or something so that you don't like grab it again, which is just another form of restriction, which for me personally, restriction will more often than not, far more often than not, actually a hundred percent of the time in my life that I've heavily restricted what I'm able to eat will lead to a binge. We'll, we'll get back to that later and, and kind of how that works and, and how to approach that. But we can really only determine uh, what the difference is between these two things if we are paying attention. So uh, the first thing that I think of there is the fact that we're not paying attention to what our brains are actively saying and what our bodies are actively saying. So when I hear that, this may not be the case for you, but the two things that I hear are that there is something hard about paying attention when you're eating or there's something scary about paying attention when you're eating. If it's something else for you, please comment below because I'm curious what other kind of descriptors come up for people when it comes to this conversation. So it's super valuable to just ask yourself, what's hard about paying attention or what's scary about paying attention when it comes to binge eating for me? A couple things come to mind for me. 
usually when I'm binge eating, there's television involved. Um, I don't know if that's the case for everyone, but it's the case for me. And it's actually super intentional. I'm not against television. Uh, I, I enjoy television. It's, it's another coping mechanism that I, that I really enjoy. And I notice that there are often times when I'm turning on television so that I can actively turn off my brain. So it's almost like I'm creating this ceremonious thing of um, self-soothing, allowing myself to turn off my brain so that I don't have to be in my brain with my thoughts because the assumption is that any thoughts that I have around what I'm doing is going to be shame. And the last thing that I want to deal with at the end of a long day when I'm already feeling so exhausted and just wanting to turn my brain off, I don't want to actively step into feeling shame. So it's it's a situation that we just automatically ignore because it's easier to shut your brain off than it is to actually confront your brain and and to to really think about what it is that you're you're doing to to actively in the moment think about it. So what's what's scary about paying attention is again I I'm always under the assumption that if I'm paying attention the answer is going to be do not do this this is bad and unhealthy for you and I'm going to have to be confronted with yet another decision a significantly confronting decision to stop doing the very thing that in that moment is making me feel better can you guys hear when I say that it makes perfect fucking sense <laughs> like all of this is so, all of this makes so much sense when it comes to humans and how we're always just trying to kind of do something in some way, shape or form to make ourselves feel better and how sometimes in the moment, this is the thing that makes you feel better, right? So I'm curious to hear from you when it comes to really being present when you're eating, what's hard about that? What's scary about that? What's fill in the blank about that for you? I actually invite you to pause this and kind of, I don't know, uh, you know, Take it to a journal prompt. Write that down. Like really get curious about what that is for you. And um, it's it's safe for you to have this conversation. And please consider that, again, when it comes to these conversations, we automatically jump to these assumptions that we just need to stop doing what we're doing. And that's confronting. And that's not a conversation that you're ready to have. So it's easier to just not have the conversation. And I just want to, I just want to put in there that sometimes in our brains, as a coach, what I've learned is that oftentimes in our brains, we think that the answer to our problems or what we're going through is either A or B. And what I've learned in the power of coaching is that more often than not, A or B are not your only solutions. Your solution could actually be camel, which makes no sense at all. But that's what I'm saying. Like, like when we limit ourselves to what our options are, we're limited with those options. Whereas when we actually get curious about something, we kind of take our blinders off. We exercise different perspectives and we come to different solutions depending on what it is that would actually serve us when we have the wherewithal to actually confront ourselves in having that conversation. Which brings me to a kind of parallel point, which is something that I've noticed that so many people have in common when it comes to this habit is this all or nothing mentality. So many people have an, a strict black and white way of thinking. And as a coach, it is my professional opinion that that way of being is actively fucking you over and wildly limiting you and what you're capable of doing. I'll say that again. Your black and white way of thinking, your all or nothing way of thinking 
is actively fucking you over. It is wildly limiting you because we're not willing to play with balance. We're not willing to play with both when we do that. And the fact of the matter is, guys, is that 99% of the things on this planet are shades of gray. They're not black and white. So many things are nuanced. So many things are complicated. So many things are layered and complex. And it's important to be able to know how to dance in the gray. It is fucking you over. It is wildly limiting you. So when it comes to comfort, you're thinking of certain foods that are maybe like sugar heavy, carb heavy. That's where my brain goes. I want like burgers. I want greasy food. I want sugar. You know, I want all those things. So in my brain, I'm kind of like, okay, well, I, you know, I'm ice cream used to be a big one for me. I'm going to eat this entire thing of ice cream for dinner. So this will be my dinner because I don't want to like overeat past that. I'm already eating an entire tub of ice cream. So I will just eat ice cream for dinner, um, which is something that my brain in the moment is telling me what it wants. Whereas my body afterwards, because I overdid it, is telling me like, hey, so that makes us feel awful. And not only that, but the dinner that you just provided me actually doesn't have any nutrients that are going to give me the energy that I need or the stuff that I need to actually make you feel better. And the fact of the matter is, you guys, is when we give our bodies the nutrients that it craves, that it literally needs to function properly, we are able to process our emotions better. We are able to see things clearer. It does address our mood in a powerful way. So it's a valuable thing. So again, I used to have this all or nothing mentality of like, I'm eating a tub of ice cream. I'm not going to eat a dinner on top of that. Whereas let's say I did choose to eat a dinner of foods that my particular body likes. This is another thing that I kind of want to asterisk. Just because my body likes it does not mean that your body is going to like it. Just because there is a health influencer on the internet telling you that these are the foods that your body needs guess what folks that person doesn't know you that person doesn't know you for shit and they certainly don't know your body and the fact of the matter is is that there are so many unique qualities about you that make your body so unique and different people from different cultures have different tolerances for different foods people of different sexes have different tolerances for different foods different foods impact us in different ways that's that's how humans are are made so for some people meat um is a is a powerful thing that gives them tons of tons of energy and all the things and for other people meat it ain't the thing for some people vegetables might be a really empowering thing for your body but for other people maybe they have such a toxic mental relationship to vegetables that in the long run it would actually create more stress than anything else we have to take all of these things into consideration when it comes to how we are fueling our bodies so here's the thing you're Brain and your body often want different things. My brain, like I said, craves the grease, craves the saltiness, craves the sugar, craves those things. My brain gets excited when I have plans in my brain to eat those things, which is not to say that my body craves the same. And I know that because I'm able to connect with my body and determine how my body feels after eating certain things. Um, I've brought this example before, like Thai food. Thai food is my favorite. Penang curry is my favorite (laughs) meal. Um, I love getting it with like a side of noodles and I literally just use the curry as like a sauce for the noodles and it's so fucking good. 
Um, but for my body, usually more often than not, the next day that leads to bloating for me, which is just interesting inventory to, to take note of when it comes to how my body functions and, and things like that. That's not to say that this thing is necessarily bad for me, but I noticed that my body has a reaction to it. So it's important for me to take that into consideration when it comes to me eating or choosing not to eat my favorite meal. Same thing with ice cream, right? Like I could be really excited mentally at the decision to eat ice cream, but my body more often than not has, uh, if I overdo it, has a negative reaction to it. So that is valuable to know. And again, only you can know this information. So a way that you can do that, and I want to be super delicate with how I put this because I I know for me the the concept of keeping a food journal is triggering when it comes to my history of disordered eating. I've had, you know, so many people and programs. I've had personal trainers that have instructed me to keep a food journal, which means writing down absolutely everything that I eat. And the difference between this and what I'm about to tell you is this. When it came to anyone giving me advice to keep a food journal, it was under this kind of expectation that you have to write it down. So there is this thing that creates shame in you when you notice that you're writing so many things down in this food journal. So you get to the point that it's like, I really don't feel like tracking that in my journal. Maybe I just won't eat it. It's literally like this kind of mind trickery to almost trick you into not making decisions that you would usually eat. For me, that triggered disordered eating in me. Not to say that that's the case for everyone because it's not. But for me and my brain, that's how it works for me. But when it came to actually getting to know my body and what my body liked, because 99 to 100% of the time, I was making food choices based on what my brain craved. I literally felt like a prisoner to my cravings. I felt like I had no control over them whatsoever. So acknowledging that my body often wants something different for me, at the end of the day, I would just make note of simple things. I would make note of my energy levels. I would make note of my mental clarity. Um, sometimes I would make note of like my sex drive. And this was years ago. I know now that there are so many other things that can determine those in a human being. But I would just make note of how I was feeling. And I would also make note of anything that I felt um, could be correlated with that. Of like, yeah, I had, uh, you know, chicken and some potatoes and some Brussels sprouts. And I noticed that um, the day after I, I felt energetic and ready to take on the day and, and all that stuff. Whereas this night I had ice cream and Diet Dr. Pepper and that combination did something lethal in my stomach. And I've just been, you know, spending a lot of time in the bathroom. <laughs> So whatever that looks like, it's it's literally from a non-judgmental place. I like to say, like, treat your body and observe your body like a scientist would. A scientist isn't emotional when it comes to the inventory that it's taking. It's just observing. You are you are an observer. You get to observe your body, right? So it, it can be valuable to just make note of how your body is feeling on a consistent basis. And you can do this whenever it makes sense for you. I did it at the end of the day because that's just when it made sense for me. Maybe if you want to do this in the morning and just kind of make note of what you ate the day to a couple days prior or in the afternoon, if that's what works best for you, whatever works best. I, I can't tell you what works best for you in your brain. Only you know. Trust yourself. Trust yourself that you know. So 
my body does crave um, meat. My body likes meat. My body also likes certain vegetables to a degree, and my brain kind of fights vegetables sometimes. So I just have to be mindful of that. Um, my body does like carbs. It doesn't like too many carbs, but it does enjoy carbs. I used to, as this kind of frantic, kind of the same frantic binge energy, whenever I was offered carbs, because I was, you know, raised in a society that told me that carbs are the devil, <laughs> as is sugar. So anytime I was offered carbs, I would, I would really overdo it. I would really overserve myself. And then it was almost like this weird self-fulfilling prophecy that like, because I was overdoing it, the carbs that I was eating did make me feel shitty. So that was almost my brain gathering more evidence of like, here we go, how to eat carbs. Carbs make me feel like shit. Whereas it turns out when I'm actually asking my body and, and truly getting in touch with what my body wants and how hungry I am and giving myself portions that directly reflect that, my body's super game for carbs, you guys. It's super down, super, super into it, which is valuable information. My body enjoys fruit as well. And I don't know about you guys, but I was raised to believe that uh, fruit has too much sugar and you better be careful with fruit. So yeah, I had this kind of like weird relationship with fruit too, that it was like this, I don't know. But then half of me thought that it was healthy because I was told that it was healthy. <laughs> I don't know. We, we get so many contradictions. And notice that like my, my fear of eating certain foods is a brain-based conversation. I'm focusing on what my second grade teacher said to me that one time, or I'm focusing on what my mom taught me that one time, or what the food pyramid taught me or whatever. I'm not actually checking in with my body to be like, hey, strawberries. How does, that, how does that go for you? Also, different fruits are different. When I eat too many grapes, I get a stomach ache. How interesting. I didn't know that about myself until I started paying attention. H how interesting. Peanuts give me a headache. What a, what a weird thing that I, never, that I never noticed before I was paying attention. And in my brain, I'm like, grapes are so good for you. And peanuts are another thing where I'm like, some people tell me that nuts are great. Some people tell me that nuts are terrible. And a lot of people say that certain nuts are great and certain nuts are terrible. Again, I'm, I'm always taking into consideration the opinions of people and circumstances around me, seldom like checking in with my own body. So who, who to thunk when I'm, when I'm actually paying attention to those things, I notice different things. So this is something that I feel very passionate about. So many people in the kind of body love sphere, uh, coaches in particular, or nutritionists or whatever, you very often hear them saying, um, you know, just kind of talking shit on the like overall American diet, overprocessed foods, um, processed sugars, all this stuff. So uh, I... I feel like I've expressed this on the pod before, but I actually have kind of a, a complex relationship when it comes to this. If it were up to me and I could do things all over again, would I create a reality where it's just kind of the norm to eat more um, organic kind of natural foods that grow from the earth, that come from the earth? If I had that choice to create that reality for us, I actually would. I think we don't realize how um, intensely food has kind of evolved over time. I read something one time that was like, if you went back to the 18th century and gave just like a random person that you passed a fucking Dorito, their brain would explode from the flavor. It would be way too much for them. But because we are 
you know, adding more kind of, of, you know, just whatever foods we see in the grocery store into our normal diets, we, we get used to these flavors and things just get more and more flavorful and, and saltier and, and sweeter and all these things. And that's just kind of, you know, how we get our fix. So if, if I had to say to do it all over again, would I create a reality that over-processed foods and sugars and stuff um, wasn't a part of our day-to-day -day life. Yeah, if I could do it all over, I, I would make that choice. I want to be honest about that. But I'm not in a place where I can make that choice. I was raised in a society where I, I ate fast food. I enjoy the shit out of chips. Hot damn, I love chips so much. Um, I love sugar. I love cookies. I love ice cream. I love all those things. Those things genuinely bring joy and pleasure and excitement into my life. I don't have a problem admitting that. And again, is there a fine line when I overdo it? It does the, it has the opposite effect. It makes me feel shitty physically, mentally, emotionally, all those things. Yes. So it's just something that I have to be aware of. Right? So, you know, you are a product of your environment. There's nothing wrong with that. If you feel the same way that certain foods bring you joy, then it's, it's a valuable thing to be able to give yourself joy. The reason why we pursue health and wellness in the first place is so that we can experience more joy. So how is cutting out so many ways in which you experience joy along the way, how is that actually beneficial? Because I know that I don't need to tell you guys that we so often, um, when it comes to the pursuit of health, really kind of the underlying conversation that we're having is lose weight at whatever cost you can and you need to be strict and have self-control and have willpower and all of these things. I have tried so many fucking versions of that throughout my life and 100% of the time, my mental health always struggled because of it. At the times when I was my most quote unquote healthy, my mental health was struggling the most. I felt so restricted and limited. I would say no to going out to eat with friends because the, the the idea of ordering from a menu from a restaurant in front of friends who I knew would be eating the things that I actually wanted to order, but I would be ordering the fucking salad with no carbs on it, dressing on the side with water, that would fuck me up. I have cried in booths before. I have cried in booths before because I am not, quote unquote, allowed to order the thing that I actually wanted to order. So for me, for someone who passionately prioritizes mental health, that's actually not the healthiest decision for me. It's just not. Because mental health, if we're not having the conversation of mental health when it comes to health, we're not talking about holistic health. We're talking about thinness. We're talking about prioritizing weight loss over anything else, which is just not the fucking business, you guys. So again, I want to go back to this concept of the brain and the body often want different things. So I, I love making this comparison, but even thinking of your brain and your body as a married couple, right? Um, different humans have different passions and how they like to spend their time. Different people even like, I think of, I have Vanderpump Rules fresh on the brain because um, the season 11 just premiered and oh my God, you I'm such a sucker for that shit. I love it so much. But I think about this a lot. So if you are a watcher of Vanderpump Rules, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you're not, that's fine. I'm going to talk what I'm talking about. I'm going to use names that you probably won't know, but that's okay. It's, it's not really relevant. When Tom and Ariana were together, 
they both have this love language of quality time. So you would think in your brain of like, oh, quality time, we both have the love language of quality time, that's great, let's just spend quality time. But their definitions of what quality time actually looked like were wildly different. Tom would wanna like do crazy shit and take mushrooms and skinny dip in the pool and you know, get on a plane to Vegas in a moment's notice. He, he would have this very spontaneous, um, kind of, this is my judgment, like unhinged <laughs> version of what quality time looked like. Where Ariana's definition of quality time was, let's cook dinner together. Let's walk the dog together at night. Let's sit down and watch a movie that we both really enjoy together. So wildly different things, right? So I'm not gonna use Tom and Ariana as an example of um, compromise and what that looks like in a healthy relationship. So we're done with that example. I think I just wanted to talk about Vanderpump Rules for a second. So when it comes to different humans and them wanting different things, just like in any relationship, there's conversations to be had, right? If consistently and reliably in a relationship, let's say that you're in a relationship with somebody who um, loves a certain restaurant that you just don't like. You can find something on the menu, like it's fine, but it's, it's not something that you would ever choose by yourself. And every time you guys decide to go out and eat, your partner is adamant on choosing this restaurant. Think about what that would do to you over time. Over time, you would probably build a lot of resentment. You'd probably be really annoyed. It would probably take the magic out of going out to eat for you. Um, you would probably feel really unseen and unheard and not taken care of by your partner. And over time, that resentment would slowly build and build and build and build until one day, just six, seven years down the line, your partner's like, oh, we should go to that restaurant this Saturday. And all of a sudden you're freaking the fuck out, threatening to burn the house down because the last thing you want to do is go to this restaurant again. When it comes to that inability to listen to one's needs or compromise, that sets you up for major emotional explosion in the future. Considers this the same thing as for your body and your brain. If you're constantly only listening to your body, I'm sorry, your brain and what your brain wants and making all of your food choices based on what your brain wants, eventually your body is gonna get fed up with that shit. And that can show up in so many different ways. That can show up with um, you know, unwanted weight gain if that's something that you're experiencing. That can show up like different ailments, uh, sicknesses, disease, just depression. It can show up... Um, and just like fatigue, all of these different things. When your body is consistently and reliably not getting its needs met, it will tell you in some way, shape or form that will show up in some way, shape or form. And same goes for the opposite. Like if I were to only strictly eat only the foods that would make my body absolutely thrive, um, you know, realistically, that would probably be a lot of like raw organic stuff, like I said, like of, of the earth, of, of nature, of the ground. My body would probably be very excited about that, but my brain would probably be extremely bored with that based on what I've gotten used to when it comes to the food that I enjoy. So that would show up in other ways too, right? Of like, maybe I would be crushing it with this organic diet for two weeks. And then on day 15, I'm like, fuck it. And then that's when I'm going to jack in the box to get absolutely fucked up on, uh, on you know, just all, all the food that I can possibly afford that day. So... It's important to hear both parties out. And sometimes the brain is gonna win. And sometimes the body is gonna win. 
Okay, just like in any other relationship too. Sometimes we make sacrifices like, okay, you know, it's it's your birthday month. We can we can go to that restaurant that you love so much. I'm, I'm happy to do you that solid. Um, but more often than not, there's compromise involved. There's compromise involved in these conversations, which can look so different for so many people. And this is what I mean when I say dancing in the gray, really playing with balance in a specific way. So I'm going to speak to what balance looks like for me. Maybe you resonate with it. Maybe you don't. This is not me saying this is the proper way to balance. This is me saying this is the way that I have found balance works for me. So if I, there are certain times when I specifically feel excited to uh, treat myself to ice cream or whatever it is. Body I Love You has a queen week and more often than not, like 90% of the time, I'm getting myself ice cream during queen week because I, I, it's truly like this decadent treat that I, um, that I just really love and I feel like celebrated when I get to, when I get to treat myself to ice cream. Sometimes when I'm um, menstruating, I will positively crave like chocolate chip cookies and, and that feels really, really cool or, or good for me or whatever. Whereas in the past, it was like, oh, you know, I'm already eating cookies at night. I probably shouldn't eat anything else on top of that. But in that decision of restriction, I'm restricting my body from the things that it actually needs. So here's what I'll do instead. I'll say, I'm so fucking excited to eat these cookies after dinner. I like saving dessert for after dinner. That's not everyone's thing. It doesn't need to be your thing. Maybe I was trained socially that that's the thing. But I I do crave sweet after savory. So that's just kind of, you know, how that works for me. So knowing that I'm going to enjoy the fuck out of some cookies later, I'll make sure that my body has things that it needs to like to be okay, um, to be good. So I will have like a, a, a meal of a meat that my body really likes with a side or whatever. Maybe I'll have like a I fucking, I genuinely love chicken Caesar salad. I love it so much. Uh, heavy on the croutons you know, get, get some Parmesan in there. It's all about the dressing at the end of the day. You know what I mean? That, that can really make or break a good, a good chicken Caesar salad, but I, it's genuinely a food that I truly adore. Um, I, I saw a TikTok that made me feel so seen. And it was that like the ultimate girl dinner is like a chicken Caesar salad with a side of like truffle fries or something like any sort of fry. And then for me, it would also be a Diet Coke with a lime wedge in there. <laughs> that's like my, I fucking love that shit so much. I, that's, if that's an option on the menu, that's, that's probably what I'm ordering. Cause it's just, yeah, that's for me, for my, it works for my body. It works for my brain. I think it's delicious. It's, it's, it's all the things for me. So I'll make sure that I eat something that my body is going to feel taken care of by. It's important to me to take care of my body if I know that I'm going to be taking care of my, my brain later or satisfying the, the cravings in my brain later. And here's what I've noticed. If I am choosing to just eat cookies for dinner, I get these. I know I've talked about these before, but they're so good, you guys. 7-Eleven makes their own cookies. They're like 7-Eleven brand cookies that like the people make in there. And they sell them in either like a pack of two or they sell them in this like box of six. I just get the chocolate chip ones. Um, I don't know if it's just my location that, that makes them so good, but I, I love them a lot. They're probably my favorite dessert these days. So if I were to get like a box of six and I am making the decision, you know, back in like restrictive kind of frantic days of like, okay, I'm eating cookies for dinner tonight. More often than not, it was 
super reliable that I'm eating all six cookies, which is not good. It is not bad. But when it comes to checking in with my body, I'm full in a way that doesn't feel satiating, but I feel the discomfort of feeling overly full. So that's my body actively telling me like, we didn't love that for us, but, uh, you know, do, do you queen? We'll, we'll recover from this. We are, we are adaptable. So I noticed that when I set my body up for success beforehand, um, you know, eating eating the the meal that my body actually likes. I notice that when it comes to eating the cookies, I feel fuller and not just physically fuller, but I feel satisfied quicker when it comes to whatever the thing is that I'm wanting to, um, you know, whatever play food I'm wanting to enjoy. So rather than eating nothing but six cookies, I'm eating a plate of food that my body really enjoys and maybe, I don't know, one to three cookies. And and that feels good for me and that feels good for my body. And I'm literally able to listen to my body in those moments of like, oh, I, I scratched that itch. This is, this is cool, this is good. And also being able to ask yourself too of like, okay, I notice I'm satiated. How do I want to feel? Am I committed to just feeling satiated tonight? Am I wanting to feel full or overly full tonight? That might sound like a weird question to a lot of people, but it's a fair question. Just in in honor of de-shaming all of this stuff, just really asking yourself the question of like, do I feel like being horizontal on the couch for, for two hours tonight? If the answer is yes, do you? If the answer is no, do you? Uh, truly just like listening to yourself and what you actually want. So you kind of reach this point where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm satiated. If I were to eat another cookie, um, reliably, that would probably put me over the edge into now I'm feeling uncomfortable. And I actually don't feel like feeling uncomfortable. I, I feel like feeling good and just satiated and, you know, like my, my body's taken care of and my brain's taken care of. So when we add more things, and that might sound so weird to some people because you would assume that when it comes to taking care of your body, you're inherently eating less. Thanks a lot, diet culture. That's bullshit. When you add more of what your body likes, when you're also pairing it with tending to your brain and what your brain likes, you'll, you'll notice that you, it'll, your body will tell you, your body will tell you when it's full. Leah uses this example a lot. Um, and I just think it's brilliant. Have you ever been on a vacation that's maybe like, whether or not it's this, but maybe like an all-inclusive vacation where like you're drinking the whole time and you're just doing the buffet the whole time and, and all this stuff. And you're, you're really going, you're really going ham when you first get there, but you're there for like a week. And by week, like five, six, seven, you're like, I'm so sick of beer. I'm, I'm, I don't want to eat bread. That bread actually doesn't look good to me at all. I, I, you know, what sounds good bomb right now, a fucking salad. You know, it sounds really good. Just like a, just like a, a, a sandwich or whatever that is. Your body will tell you when it's, when it's good, when it's, when it's like truly fed up. I think the, the difference in the kind of disconnect is we often wait until like alarm bells are going off because we're not truly connected or intact with our body and what it's actively telling us. So we kind of wait until it's something that's like unavoidable, like your body's screaming at you about it versus what would it look like for you to practice presence in the moment, right? And again, I want to circle back to this concept that when it comes to restriction, if you are somebody who in your pursuit of health, you notice that you are strictly restricting things, 
This is not a statement that's going to be relatable for everyone, but this is my truth and the truth of a lot of the people that I coach. 100% of the time that I am restricting myself around what I'm allowed to eat, it will lead to a binge at some point in my life. And that binge uh, can actually be pretty dangerous because that binge for one night can actually lead to like a two-month binge. Even like a two-day binge, two-week binge, sometimes a two-year binge, you guys. You know, you never know. It's That's, that's where yo-yo dieting comes into play, right? Because you're white-knuckling these fad diets and, and following the advice of strangers on the internet to do this thing. And if it's hard, you're blaming yourself that you don't have enough self-control or willpower and you're just restricting for as long as you possibly can until that energy runs out and you feel as though you're owed something. You feel as though you deserve something. You feel as though, oh, I, I lost weight. I, 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 can, I can do this thing now which again is there's such a disconnect to your body when you're operating that way. You're not actually paying attention to your body. You're obsessing over the number on the scale and your brain is going off all alarms. So you have you have no choice but to but to listen to those alarm bells going off and this restriction leads to binges that only promote more uh chronic weight gain, weight loss, yo-yo dieting, hunting for the next diet that you hope is going to be the magical trick to finally cure you. It's not overall healthy to over-restrict what you are and are not allowed to eat. And I I want you to hear that as many times as you need to because I'm super aware that our society and our culture teaches us into something vastly different than that than that concept. So I want to close out by speaking to the power of presence. And that can look like so many things too, you guys. It's again, more often than not, when I'm eating, TV is involved in some way, shape or form. I have been able to train my brain in certain ways. I don't know if it's my short attention span where I'm not getting like lost in television anymore, but I'm able to tune in with my body during that and check in and see how she's doing and make decisions based on that. If you're somebody who's not able to do that, what would it look like to, you know, do something different? What would it look like to eat at your dinner table or to, to, I don't know, read when you're eating or whatever. I know that so many people praise the idea of, you know, when you're eating, food is the activity, which I totally see the, the power in that. And I'm a product of my environment and I'm someone who's always watched something while I'm eating and that hasn't been disempowering for me as of late. So fucking fuck it. You know what I mean? So you, again, you really have to know thyself You have to know what is predictable and reliable for your brain. You have to be present to pay attention to what works and doesn't work for your body. No one will be able to tell you that information. Only you know that wisdom. And I want you to practice taking this idea that you don't know off the table. Because the more you speak truth to that, the, the truer it becomes for you. The more you kind of let yourself off the hook of actually excuse me, actually needing to know or, or letting yourself off the hook of the fact that you actually do know. Consider that you know. You know your body. You know your brain better than everyone and anyone else on the planet possibly could. You have so much wisdom that lives inside of you. It's not that you're lacking the wisdom. It's that you're so disconnected from that wisdom, you forgot that it's there. And that's all I got for you guys today. 
I want to send you so much love if you resonate with this episode, if you are a fellow binge eater or compulsive overeater. I I really, you're doing the fucking best you can with what you have. And escapism is understandable and self-soothing and survival mechanisms are understandable. We are living in a fucking crazy world and you could be doing way worse things than eating food to cope with your emotions and to cope with, you know, being a fucking human being. You're so normal. You're not bad or wrong for doing this. You're not failing for doing this. You are a feeling human. And that can be really hard and and sometimes awful <laughs> to be a human with so many feelings. Um, the, the diet culture teaches us otherwise, but this is this is not a you're not terrible for doing this. And I think so much of this conversation is the importance of de-shaming the fact that this is something that you do to cope with your emotions so that you can get past this idea that this is such a shameful thing and quiet the noise and actually get curious about yourself and actually get curious about what's going on. So I really hope that this was helpful for anyone who resonates with, um, you know, this this act of, of binge eating. I'm sending you so much love. Go ahead and give yourself a hug. Go ahead and give yourself a giant bear hug. And uh, and that's from me, Wink. I love you a lot. All right, guys. Uh, I will see you. I will see you next time. Um, by the time this airs on the podcast, I, I will be a year older. It is my birthday on Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, if, if you're sending out any birthday wishes, I'm receiving them. I fucking love my birthday. I love celebrating my birth. And I love when other people like to do it too. I love you guys. I'll talk to you next time.